I'm going to um, get into our, the message. Uh, this is the final message on the favor of the Lord, possibly. Who knows? But it, it, I'm landing a plane. And so uh, um, may the Lord may do something even after later in the year or whatever. But who knows what he's going to do, right? He's moving and we're going to move with him, right? But uh, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about growing in the favor with God. And uh, I, I talked about last week how that uh, we're going to grow in his favor when we restore our relationships. And uh, if we're going to be a people of covenant, um, being a people of covenant, we stay in covenant and we don't quit with people. And we, we choose to move in our relationships and we, we, we choose to restore our relationships. So part of growing in the favor of God is, is this thing of restoring the relationships, the broken relationships within our church, the broken relationships within our family, the broken relationships within our marriages, within our children, all those kinds of relationships. And uh, I've talked to many of you over the last couple weeks, and there's many, many relationships that are broken, and they need help, and they need health. And so that we're talking about restoring our relationships. But have you ever tried to restore a conflict in a relationship and it turned into a fight? Yeah. <laughs> um, th that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, and that's not what God looks at as kingdom confrontation and kingdom building of relationships. It's so, but we, we realize that we've all had problems in relationships. And I'm not going to recap all of last week's message. I wanted to do recap more, but for the sake of time, I want to keep pressing in. But last week I did talk about this foundational principle that all reconciliation in our relationships with each other, hear me, all our reconciliation and, and our healing of relationships with each other comes out of the foundation of your reconciliation with God how God has reconciled you through Christ, and how out of that reconciliation, which we talked about this morning, what the music was all about as we take communion, I don't know, and there was this thing of joy of our salvation that was bubbling up, and there was just this flatness in the atmosphere when we were talking about joy, did you feel the flatness? And it's like nobody, it's like everybody was struggling with pushing into the joy of their salvation, but the worship team was priming the pump. The worship team was priming the pump. Thank God for our worship team. And they were priming the pump even for this message about how we have to be grateful for what God has done for us. The forgiveness. I mean, I wanted to shut it, stand up and shout and guys, is anybody glad that Jesus saved them? <laughs> I, wanted to, I, wanted to, I wanted to say, is anybody glad that, that you've been reconciled to God? Because that's what we were talking about this morning, about the joy of our salvation. Um, some, and, and, and there was a lot of flatlining going on. And I think we forget what we've been rescued from. And so communion, I think God in his wisdom instituted communion in remembrance of what? Me and what I've done for you, in remembrance of me, how I've reconciled you, in remembrance of me of how I saved you when you were going to hell in a handbasket. And so we sang about that this morning. But the foundation of my reconciling with my brothers and sisters in Christ or my marriage, or my friends, or whatever, comes out of that sacrifice that's been made for us. 
and how he's reconciled us unto Christ. And that was my main theme last week. And I gave you one, because what I'm going to do, over the course of this message, I'm really going to give you five um, keys to confrontation. Five keys of of bringing restoration to your relationships. And And the one we talked about last week was the issue of forgiveness and um, I hope that you guys read these scriptures uh, that I put out on Facebook uh, on our group page. The Bible says that we're to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. So the biblical principle is that you're to give forgiveness because it was given to you. Uh, Matthew 6, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Uh, And then three, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. So there's this theme within the word about forgiving others. And so the first key uh, to restoring our relationships, we talked about it last week, is forgiveness. So if you're taking notes, you're going to have five points by the time you get done with it today. I'm also going to put that on uh, our group page, New Covenant Worship Center and Friends, so that you have it as well. But if you're taking notes, that's where you do it. So our first one last week was forgiveness. And so I just said that that forgiveness is the key uh, to, to biblical, foundational confrontation in our relationships. I really believe that if you guys will take what I'm sharing today and you'll move with it, just like the prophetic word that just came today, I believe these are the keys that you need in order to restore your relationship. A lot of what I'm going to share today comes out of Danny Silk's uh, book and his uh, on culture of honor. And a lot of this comes out of the 23 years of ministry because I've seen a lot of conflict in 23 years. Danny Silk gives about three keys to confrontation. I'm going to give you five. Not that what I'm giving you is better than Danny Silk's, but there's some things the Lord's put in my heart, and one of them is this issue of forgiveness, the very first one. I can't confront you if I've not forgiven you. If I've not forgiven you, I should never confront you. Are you with me? And so this issue of forgiveness, no confrontation will turn out well if you have not forgiven them as Christ has forgiven you. I'm going to say that again. No confrontation will go well if you have not forgiven them the way Christ has forgiven you. Say that with me. No confrontation will go well if I don't extend forgiveness like forgiveness has been given to me. Okay, so you guys with me on that? So forgiveness is the key to a healthy confrontation. And so we, got, we started there last week. And, so, and, it, and again, I talked about last week, love compels me. Everybody say it with me. Love compels me not to hold your sin against you. Love compels me not to hold your sin against you. And so love should compel you not to hold my sin against me or the one you're in conflict. Love should compel you to give that which has been given to you, and you should give that before you ever confront somebody. Has everybody got that? And so hopefully this week you've been working on that. The application piece, last week you were, I gave you homework and you were supposed to do some things, and hopefully you did that. Because I'm coming this week assuming that you've already been working on forgiving somebody that you want to restore your relationship with. I'm assuming that you have already worked through some of that and that you have this week began to forgive the person that you're in conflict with. 
But even after I forgive, the relationship is still not restored. Is that correct? I'm just getting my heart right. I'm getting my, I'm positioning myself correctly. So the relationship is still not restored, but I've worked on my part, right? And that's the, where we have to start. My heart is now right to confront. If I have forgiven you and I'm at odds with you, my heart is now right to confront, okay? The anger and the bitterness should be gone. The desire for me to punish, the desire for me to accuse, the desire of, for me to, to uh, give you a, a, a piece of my mind, we'll say, that should already be solved. I'm assuming that if I'm going to confront you, or you're going to confront me, that all that bitterness... All that anger has already been dealt with. If it hasn't been dealt with, keep your mouth shut. Are you cool with me? Does that make sense? Because I can't give something that I haven't, been, I haven't, I can't give that away if I haven't forgiven you yet. So if you're at odds with me, you're going to have to work on forgiving me first. And I'm going to have to do that with you. So I'm assuming the anger and the bitterness is gone and my desire to punish you is gone. Because when I'm angry with you and you're angry with me, there is a desire in our flesh to punish. We punish with withdrawing our relationship. We punish through anger. We punish through shaming. We punish through guilting. We punish through trying to get you to do something. Trying to get you to change is what we're ultimately doing. So I'm ultimately trying to control you are you with me? But when I forgive, my desire to control you, shame you, guilt you, manipulate you, I'm laying it down and I'm saying, I, I'm not going to hold their sin against them. Just as God has forgiven me, I am going to forgive them and that's dealt with. If you're not there, if the guilt or the, if the, 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 the pain is still in your heart, if you're still messed up, if you're still bitter, if you're still ready to punish, all I can say is go to our emotional healing team and get some help. Let them walk you through forgiving because there's a traumatic experience. There's something trauma that's going on inside of you that you need help to get through so that you can release them. And until you get some emotional healing, you're going to keep offending people and you're going to keep in a place of relationships constantly being in turmoil because there's a root there. You're with me on that, okay? And many people don't know how to get involved in our emotional healing, but you can go online to our emotional healing site, and there's a question there. So you can do that. It's all online. So they'll help you walk through forgiveness. But all I'm saying is we're not going to proceed to the next four steps until that's dealt with. Everybody with me on that? Cool. <clears throat> and today I'm going to give you those four steps. Now what I want to say about confrontation Confrontation is an art and a skill. It takes time and a thing of keeping your heart right in order to walk through confrontation because we've all experienced bad confrontations. <laughs> oh yeah, they're a whole lot more easy to come by. And the world, like I said, uses controlling. The world uses shaming. 
The world uses blaming. The world uses angry and manipulation and all that garbage and say it is yucky. Everybody say it's yucky. It's not meant for God's people. Mm-mm-mm-mm. But here's the big point that I want to make. There has to be a way <laughs> that I can affect you and you can affect me. And we can hold each other accountable when someone's decisions, attitudes, behaviors, and mistakes affect us. There's got to be a way in my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my friends, my people in my church, there's got to be a way that I can affect you. There's got to be a way that I can check if there's something going on between us. There's got to be a way. I just can't be silent. And if I refuse to manipulate, control, blame, shame, and punish you, I must have a way I can influence you if you're hurting me or others within the church or hurting others in the relationship. There's got to be something that I can do in order to hold you accountable. And confrontation is the pressure that we bring into the relationship that brings internal pressure to, to, to help somebody realize how their decisions and their actions are affecting other people. Because you know as well as I do, other people's decisions, actions, behaviors, they affect us all, and we all get sideways, right? And so confrontation is this thing that I'm talking about that helps us to put a little pressure in the relationship. We can't be passive-aggressive and act like it's not there, sweep it under the carpet. We can't do that. When people are hurting people, we have to confront. Is that not true? I must have a way in order to influence my spouse or anybody else when their behavior and their decisions are hurting me. We must learn and practice kingdom confrontation so that we can restore and reconcile our relationships that are damaged in the church, and they are there, and that are damaged in our families, and they are there. Someone shared with me this week, and it broke my heart, they shared with most of their relationships are damaged right now. And my heart broke. And I've been praying for that person all week because God wants to bring healing to relationships. Can everybody please say amen? amen. The one thing about confrontation and what I've experienced in 23 years of ministry is it appears that some people just aren't safe to confront. Some people don't take responsibility for their actions. Some people are defensive. Some people act like it's not there. Or they want to put the blame back on you. Anybody been in that relationship kind of situation? It's like, uh, no, that's your issue. If you weren't a D, <laughs> or if you weren't an S, or if you weren't a whatever your personality style is, or if you weren't this, you know, we wouldn't be having this problem. And so some people just don't ever take responsibility for how they're coming across but you still have to confront, okay? Let's just put it where it's at. And so um, some people are scary and because they're not humble and they're not vulnerable. And, and one thing that I want to say, even in this whole confrontation before I move into the, to the two passages that are the foundation of where I'm going with you today, is if you're being abused sexually, emotionally, or physically, you can't, that what I'm talking about today, you can't do by yourself. If you're in that kind of a situation, you're going to have to get help with confrontation. I, you would never go to your abuser and do this, what I'm teaching you today. 
Okay, I want, to, I want you to understand, and there's some traumatic abuse that's going on within this room and online where people are being abused, and you cannot, you cannot by yourself confront your abuser. Okay, so I want to make sure you understand when we're talking, because this can manifest fear and anxiety as I start to preach this message. It can manifest fear and panic, and you won't hear a word I say today. And so we all have to forgive but to move into confrontation, if you're being abused, you do have to get help. And our emotional healing team will help you there. The pastoral staff will help you here. Your disciple, that whoever's discipling you or being, mentoring you, we want to help walk through that. So if you're in abuse, we want to know. We want to help you, okay? So let's just put that where that's at. But here's the foundational principle that I want to pull from this message. There's two passages, the one in Matthew and one in Galatians. This one I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. I know you've got to be careful with the Passion Translation because sometimes it's not exactly accurate, but I felt like this was extremely accurate on what we're to do as Christians. And so Jesus is telling his disciples this. He says, if, you, if your fellow believer sins against you, you must go to that one privately and attempt to resolve the matter. If he responds, your relationship is restored. But if his heart is closed to you, then go to him again, take one or two others with you. And if he refuses to listen, then share the issue with the entire church in hopes of restoration. If he still refuses to respond, disregarding the fellowship of his church family, you must disregard him as though he were an outsider on the same level as an unrepentant sinner. That's what Jesus says. So many times, in, in ministry, and somebody will come to me and they're upset with somebody, I'll ask, have you done Matthew 18? Has anybody heard anybody in this house say that? Have you done Matthew 18? Because what they're doing is they're coming to me, wanting me to confront the person, wanting me to do their dirty work, ultimately, because none of us like conflict. But Jesus, he, Jesus maps out something for us here out of Matthew 18, and he's given us a blueprint about how we as Christians are to do that. And one of the things he's assuming here, he's assuming you're a believer first. He's assuming that you're someone who wants to do things God's way. Okay? You guys with that? He's assuming that if they've sinned against you, and I'm going to talk about that, in a, about what sin is. And he's saying something here, you must go to them. Everybody say, must go. I must go to them. And when, and, and when I go to them, I go to them how? Privately. And I attempt to resolve the matter. I'm attempting to make you aware of how you're coming across, but I'm not coming here to control you. I cannot control the outcome. If they respond well, they respond well. My job is not to control them and to get them to do anything. I'm just coming to make them aware how I've been hurt. Are you guys with me on that? The other theme scripture is out of Galatians 6, 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore that person, what? Gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Paul gives us some, some other you know, keys of wisdom. Jesus gave us these wisdom things about privately and, he, and the order by which we do it. And then Paul gives us more that really reinforces what Jesus was talking about. Again, the word sin here in both passages in the Greek is a word that means trespass. It means that you have fallen down, or maybe you have, you've messed up your life, or you've messed up with someone, 
And it also means to, it means to transgress, it means to fall down, it means to miss the mark. And so one of the things that you need to make sure when you're confronting someone, have they actually sinned against you? You, you may think, well, well, of course they are, I wouldn't be mad. No, it could be a personal preference. It could be that you're disagreeing with um, what they said or, or how they're going about what they're doing. But have they literally, have they really crossed the line? Have they trespassed against you? Have they really sinned against you or have you sinned against them? So it really is important that when you confront somebody that you're confronting them with a sin that they've done against you. If it's just personal preference and you just didn't like the way they looked at you or how they responded, you just need to make sure it's sin. Does that make sense? A Christian, and here's one of the other things, because there's two aspects to this confrontation. There's this confrontation where you've sinned against me, and I'm coming to make you understand, realize how that has affected me. But there's also the aspect of sin, that if I see that you are stuck in sin, and you are sinning on a continual basis, and you're in sin as a believer... That, that I have a responsibility within the body of Christ to confront your sin. See, we sin alone, but because we are participants and members of the body of Christ, <laughs> your sin affects me as well. So just because you sin alone, but because you're in the body of Christ, your sin actually affects us all. Matter of fact, Jesus said it's like, it's like, it's like yeast. And when you're sitting and you're, say, you're in adultery, or you're in fornication, or you're in lying, or you're in deception, or, or you're doing things that are contrary to the Word of God, the Bible says that's like yeast in the body of Christ, and it, it just goes throughout the whole body. And it requires us as Christians. We've had a lot of people leave this church, honestly, because of this one issue, because we have confronted sin. Now, when they leave, they actually say, well, they're judgmental, or they're this, or they're that. But I promise you, we're, we're talking about taking people through this confrontation thing that we're talking here. And it's because they've not wanted to yield to Christ in what is going on in their life. And it's not like we ever come to people in judgment, shaming, or anything like that. This is the process that we take people through. But as Christians, we do have to, if you're in a hole and you're continuing to sin over and over, we're going to help you get out of the hole. And that's the way the body of Christ is supposed to work. Can I have an amen on that? The other passage, the other thing here is, is Paul is assuming you're spiritual. The word spiritual here means you've received God's spirit. You are walking with God. You desire God's will in your life. You're, you desire to do God, God, things God's way. And so, when you're confronting somebody, you need to make sure you're, you're following God. You're, you're, at, you're in this for, for God's way, God's will, and not you. Not just because you're upset and you're wanting your way. Are you all with me there? Okay. The other thing is the word restore here literally means like setting the bone. It's like mending nets. It's, it's really that, it's the word reconciliate, to restore the relationship. We're wanting to mend the net. We're wanting to, to set the bone in the relationship. But the big word I want to highlight right now is the word gently. Everybody say gentle. gentle. Everybody say gentle. gentle. 
Every confrontation has to come out of gentleness. Now, the Greek word there for gentle is humble. Now, we talked about humility, I think, in message two or three of this series. If you didn't hear my message on humility, you really need to go back and listen to it because any confrontation you do has to be through humility. And what is humility? It's just, even, even in the scripture, it says Jesus humbled himself, taking the very form of, an, of a man, right? And he gave up his right, and he humbled himself as a servant. So humility is this thing where I put others before myself. That I'm not coming into a confrontation wanting my way. I'm really concerned about the other person. I'm really concerned about what's going on with them. I'm not so concerned because I've already forgiven them, so I'm not angry and I'm not bitter. So I'm my, humility is this posture of lowering myself and putting them higher and saying, God, what is going on with them? They must be hurting. This isn't normal. This isn't who they are. I'm, I'm not believing the old man. Remember we talked about that last week? But I'm coming to this person in, in, in humility. The, that word also means to be mild, to be kind. So I'm not angry. I'm not shaming. I'm not mean. I'm not frustrated. I'm not trying to get you to do something. I'm trying to help. Gentleness is I've got my hand open and I'm coming to you this way. But the world, we showed the video last week, the mad neighbor yelling, screaming. But kingdom confrontation is different. I love what Danny Silk says. Danny Silk puts gentleness in this term. He says, gentleness is I don't need to control you. So son or daughter, I don't need to control you. Spouse, I don't need to control you. I, I, I'm not, I, don't have to, I, don't, I don't have to get you to do anything for me. And my friends, I'm afraid that's not the way we live. If you were to be honest with you in every confrontation that you're in and in every relationship, you're always trying to get your way. You're always trying to get your will done. You're always trying to get somebody to do something. You're always trying to get somebody to repair something. You're always trying to get them to do it your way. Can I have a witness? We're always trying to get somebody to do it the way we want them to do it. And dear God, that's pride. And I don't want you to do it my way. I want us to do it God's way. God has a way. And so I have no need to control you. I'm not here to attack or to control you. I'm coming with a curious mind, and I'm coming on how can I repair this with you. And so the very first, the, so, so the, the second thing, the second key that we're talking about today is the second key of we have to have gentleness and humility as the motivation of my heart. So number one, we have to have forgiveness. Number two, the motivation of my heart must be coming out of humility and gentleness. I'm coming gently to trying to figure things out with you. I haven't formed these opinions in my mind. I haven't made these judgments you know, when we, when, we, when we come to somebody and we've already got it figured out and we've already filled in the blanks, you guys realize that's pride? But if you'll go to somebody before you try to figure it out, <laughs> you'll be a whole lot better off. 
If, if, we would, if, we would, if we would come to somebody on the onset, if we were in the, in, in the middle of a conversation and somebody said something sideways that you took wrong, hey, baby, whoa, whoa, whoa slow back, slow down. Hey, let's go back to that. I, I didn't understand you when you said this. Were you meaning to, to criticize me there? Because that's the way I took it. I may be taking you wrong, but baby, what did you mean there? Because that really hurt my heart. What do you mean? Well, when you said that, that really, if we would do that right away, instead of putting that in our brain going, what did he mean by that? What did he say about that? What, what, why did he say that? And then we go to bed bad, and then, and then we get up the next day, and, it, and it's still there gnawing at us. Anybody ever done that? Or am I the only one? But if we would just simply go, hey, I think I just misunderstood you. What did you mean by that? And if they really were being a wisecracker jerk, why would you want to hurt me? Why, why, why would you want to hurt me? I mean, is that a whole lot simpler? But we'll, I think if we would just deal with things right away in gentleness and humility instead of getting sideways, we'd be a whole lot better shape. I think that's why the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. I better not get on a rabbit trail. I'll never get this message done. Okay. If I go to whoever I need to confront in a curious way, not seeking to understand rather than be to, understood, to be understood, it's going to go a whole lot better, isn't it? And so when we're in gentleness, I'm coming to you with an open hand and I'm seeking to understand you. So the key, second key is gentleness and humility. Every one of these, I could spend a, a whole message on each of these five keys. Forgiveness, I could have spent weeks on talking about forgiveness. But I'm hitting the, the high points because you really need to begin to seek the Lord in how you're walking. The third thing that has to be present in a confrontation is trust. Now, I don't know about you, but I have found a lot of people in our culture that don't trust anyone. That presents a major problem. So if people, if you're, if you're with somebody that doesn't trust anybody, it's going to be really tough to come into a confrontation because in a, con in a healthy confrontation, you have to have trust. If you know you're not trying to control them and you're coming into this confrontation, if you, if, if you let them know on the onset, hey, I just got some things I want to share with you that have been bothering me. I'm not here to control you. I'm not here to beat you up. I just need to talk to you about some things. Can we talk? If, you, if they realize from the onset that you're not trying to control them and you're not trying to get them to do anything, trust level just goes up. Do you realize that? Trust level will go up. But if you have no trust and they don't like you and they really don't uh, think and respect you, confrontations really that's not going to work. If you don't have trust, you, a confrontation really isn't going to work. I, I have found in relationships, married relationships, I am shocked how many relationships in marriages where the husband and the wife don't trust each other. They think they have ulterior motives. They think they're out to get something. They're manipulating. They're doing something. They're jockeying themselves to get to, to what they want. And trust is not there. I can't tell you how many people don't trust pastors. Oh, you are just got an, an, an ulterior motive. Trust Trust is at an all-time low. Look at our nation. 
So here's what I want to say. If you don't have trust with that person, you have got to find somebody they trust to help you in the confrontation. I spoke with somebody a couple weeks ago from another, the person they were confronting was in another church. They actually brought that person's pastor with them and helped them to, to, to bring the confrontation. And they met with a third person in order to do that. If trust is low, you've got to get somebody else involved. I don't know if it's a pastor or it's the person that's discipling you. Maybe it's a connect group leader. It, 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 maybe it's your spiritual mentor, whatever. You may have to bring somebody else that who, who, that who trusts? They trust, not you trust. See, you're going you're gonna to prefer your brother. You're going to put their needs above your else, above your own. So it's like, who do you trust? I want a relationship with you. I want to restore our relationship. Is there somebody you trust that I could bring you with me so, so, so that we can restore this relationship? Would you trust them to help us mediate this relationship? So you, are you with me on that? It's because you've got to have trust. Now here's where it gets ugly is if you can't find anybody they trust, then I would say, you are the problem. You have trust issues. You need to get emotional healing. You need to get emotional healing. You need to see our emotional healing team because you trust no one. And there is a trauma, there's an experience that's taken place for you when you were so young that you've not been able to trust anyone. And every relationship's going to be toxic for you. And there's a lot of people in that boat where they don't trust anybody. And confrontations are not going to go well when you don't trust. So who are you going to get to help you restore your relationship with somebody that doesn't trust you? So you're going to have to either build trust and you're going to have to work on that relationship to build trust so that they trust you or you're going to have to get somebody to help you. So that's number four, three, excuse me. The next one is a big one, okay? So we got trust. Now we have to have self-control. <laughs> what is self-control? <laughs> a lot of people have no clue what it is. <laughs> it's a fruit of the Spirit, just like joy was. You know, we talked about joy this morning. And self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And so... When you're going into a confrontation, you have got to have self-control. You have to control your anger. You have to control your emotions. You have to control your words. You have to control your love. You have to control your honor. You must choose to stay in humility when your pride wants to rise up and say, No! When that Tasmanian devil in you wants to come out, you say, uh-uh, get behind me, Satan. I'm going to stay in control. I'm going to stay in control of my emotions. I'm going to stay in control of my love and my honor. I'm not going to dishonor them, even if they're dishonoring me. Even if they're getting mad and spits a-flying. If that's the way it gets to, you go, hey, I love you. I can tell this is upsetting you a lot. I just don't do confrontation when there's disrespect and there's anger and bitterness. And it's, hey, we need to probably do this later. We need to get help. Can we get a third party involved in this? Because if people start yelling, screaming, and all that kind of stuff, how, how, how well is that going to be restored? 
No, what's going to happen? You're going to yellow truck me, and you're going to make sure that you have control over this relationship, and I'm going to have to submit to you or lie to you and say everything's okay because we're going to do it your way. But man, both people have to be powerful in the confrontation. You have to be powerful, and they have to be powerful. And the only way we can be powerful is if we're in charge of our own self-control. Man, this is good stuff, guys. This is how you restore your relationships. I promise you, when you do this stuff, God's favor comes. And his grace moves in on the relationship. It's just most people aren't willing to do this. Most people, when conflict comes, they run. Most people run from conflict. And God says, no, that's not covenant people. That's not covenant. So we're not going to run. We're going to actually be assertive. Can I have an amen on that? You are actually responsible for your own self-control. Even God is not responsible for your self-control. I have heard people pray, Oh God, make me do it. Oh God, control me. God, you do it for me. Oh God, help me. God, help me to stay in self-control. It doesn't work. You're responsible for your own self-control. God, make me do it. He ain't going to make you do nothing. You have a choice to make when you're in a confrontation as to whether I'm going to keep my self-control or not. And when you lose your self-control, you back the other person away and you make the confrontation worse. Can I have an amen on that? So, when I'm in a confrontation, I have come to inform you how your actions and your decisions or your failure is affecting me and my relationship with you. You might want to write that down. When I'm coming to a confrontation, I'm literally coming here to inform you how your actions and your decisions and your failure is affecting me and my relationship with you. So I'm I'm just coming, I'm going, I don't know if you realize this, but I, I just wanted to come and I just want to share how that decision you made or that action that you took or what you're doing, how that, when you do that, how that affects my relationship with you. Do you want to know that? Is that important to you? I'm not coming to this thing to tell you that you're a scumbag and that you're a jerk and that you're not a faithful husband or you're not a good wife or you're not a good this or you're, you're, you don't listen to me and you don't obey. It's not why I'm here. I'm coming to inform you of some information that you may not be aware of, and you need to tell me if there's information on your part that I need to hear. Are you with me? And if I'm going to confront you successfully, I must manage myself and not try to manage you and your emotions. I'm telling you for years. Tom will tell you this. I have tried hard for years to manage other people's emotions. Go around the back door, say it's just perfect, do all this kind of stuff. But I am not responsible for your emotions. And I'm not responsible for how you respond. I'm only responsible for my self-control and my motivation of my heart and keeping my heart humble and in grace and in gentleness and coming to inform you of what's going on. That's my responsibility. How you react and how you start going crazy and nuts, I, I can't control that. And I'm okay with that. If you go nuts when I confront you and you don't want to talk to me and you want to avoid me, hey, that's your prerogative. I can't force you to do anything. 
Can't force you to do anything. It's a revelation, guys. It's a powerful revelation. I'm not getting coming here to get you to do something. I'm coming to inform how I'm hurting, and probably you're hurting too, and I'm coming to seek how you're feeling, and I'm coming to work this thing out. If you can't control yourself, don't confront. Go back to the emotional healing team. Get the freedom that you need so that you can stay in control of you. Then proceed to the next step. Are you cool with me? If you can't stay in self-control, you have no business confronting anybody. You need deliverance. You need freedom. You need to check your heart can't be gentle you can't be kind don't confront if you can't forgive don't confront <laughs> kingdom this is kingdom guys are you with me okay the fifth one then the last one we're going to land the plane here the fifth key to confrontation is great questions everybody say great questions i have this is the best thing i've ever learned from danny silk in all my life and this is an art, and this is a skill, and I have watched leaders, and I've watched other people, and I've watched myself struggling with how to ask great questions. And the reason it's hard to sometimes ask great questions is because they've not taken care of the other four things that I've talked about, and they're still not forgiven, and they're still not in gentleness, they're still not in self-control, there's still no trust, and so then they try to come up with a question and they can't even think straight because they are still jacked up in their mind. So if you can't ask good questions, you've got to back up to one, two, three, and four and find out where you're jacked up. Does that make sense? Because you'll never ask a great question. I have had so many people say, man, I wish I could think of those questions that you asked, Gary. I, we were up in a meeting up north years ago and we were, me and Tom were confronting a brother and we were, we were away from this place, and we were confronting a brother. And we got done with the, with the confrontation. We got done with it. And one of the other leaders was there goes, Dang, you, you, you guys just confronted him. He didn't have a clue you were confronting him. <laughs> I mean, he, he didn't realize. I mean, he, those questions led him to the answer. Those questions actually helped him to realize how he was affecting other people. And you didn't even have to spank him. I'll never forget that. I was like, that must have been the Holy Ghost because, man, I, <laughs> I, I'm not that good. You asking great questions help the other person to think internally. When you're coming into a conflict, they're the one who has no clue probably that they've hurt you. Or if they do have a clue, they have no clue how they've affected you. And so questions begin to put this internal pressure to where you already know the conflict. You already know what's going on. You already know how you've been upset. You know, but they may not. And so the questions create this internal pressure where they go, and the Holy Spirit's able to deal with them. Hey, I was just wondering, do you realize? No, I didn't realize. Okay, so I'm going to give you some examples of questions here in a moment. But that's what questions do. It, it, it creates internal pressure. And so what we tend to do is we tend to make statements instead of asking questions. So the world's way of doing it is 
The world says they make statements and they cast blame and they ca cast accusation. That's how the world does it. So they come in confrontation and they, they make these statements that you're, you're just lazy. You're, you, you, just don't want, you just don't want to help me. And all that does is it creates the wall around you and nobody wants to listen to you. People shut you down faster and everything. But whenever I come with questions, and here's some of the questions. So if you have a spouse, here's one with a question for a spouse. Hey, babe, I was just wondering if you knew how it makes me feel when I ask you to help me with the kids and you roll your eyes and keep playing video games. I was just wondering if you knew how that made me feel, it makes me feel when you do that. The world's way would be Man, you're so lazy. Why don't you get your up, up off of your butt and help me? You don't care about me. You're a lousy dad. Anybody ever said those things? What kind of confrontation is that going to be? But that's the way the world does it. But when I confront, I've got to ask questions. Babe, I was just wondering if you realize how that makes me feel when you do that. I was just wondering when you stay out till 10 or 11 o'clock, how do you think that makes me feel? It makes me feel like you don't want to be with me. It makes me feel like I'm not important to you. I, I just want to know what's going on in your heart. Do you see how those powerful questions, they change the atmosphere? It puts internal pressure into that person. And then you shut up. You don't answer the question for him. Well, I'll tell you what your problem is. And you can even go a step further and say, would you like to talk about that right now? Or do you need to think about that for a while? Here's one with a teenager. I was just wondering if you knew how it made me feel last night. When you came home after midnight, when your curfew's ten or curfew's eleven, as I shared last week, I bloodied Abraham's nose when he mouthed off at me in the car. What would have been better if I had said, you know, Abraham, I was just wondering if you knew how that made me feel when you just said that to me. What do you think the emotional and relational connection would have been with me and Abraham rather than me bloodying his nose? Not on purpose. I didn't abuse my kid. It's like, you're not going to talk that way. It scarred him for life. He's still in therapy. <laughs> what would have that question look like for my son? How about a leader? I was just wondering if you were aware of how your comment made the rest of the team feel. What comment? Well, when you said this when we were in a team meeting, it, are you aware of how that made us all feel? <coughs> Pressure. Uh, no, how did it make you feel? Well, it made us feel like you didn't care. 
and that you were just going to ramrod and do this or do that. Oh my gosh, that's the way I made you feel. I am so sorry. And it gives me a opportunity as a leader to go to each person on the team and say, guys, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't, I don't ever want you to think that that's the way I want to do things around here. Is this helping? But you see how you have to have the forgiveness dealt with. You have to have the bitterness dealt with. Because if that person had bitterness and unforgiveness, that confrontation with me would have looked a lot different. Matter of fact, that confrontation would have probably led to them quitting leadership and just not saying anything about it. And then the, the whole church gets affected because they... Uh, are going to have a pity party and complain and not, not actually come to me and confront me with questions. I was just wondering, curious. But no, what we do is we tend to fill in the blanks that Eric's doing this or this person's doing this in leadership and they're doing it because of this, this, and this. And I've made my fortified thoughts. I've made my, my assumptions. I'm assuming things that make a major problem. Not a, and it shouldn't even be a major problem questions brave great questions are important how about a friend at church or maybe in your relationship you know maybe going to him and saying you know i really desire our relationship to be restored and um, what can i do that would help us to restore our relationship is there anything i've done to hurt you now what i find a lot of times when i do this oh no i've not been hurt by you (laughs) no what are you talking about i'm fine because people don't feel safe to tell me the truth. And I want to create a, an atmosphere of safety. And so a lot, a lot of times what we talk about in leadership meetings is we have to create a, an atmosphere of feedback to where we purposely say, hey, Alger, how are you taking my leadership? Hey, how, 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 how are you receiving me? So that, that, that we give people the right to say difficult things. Or maybe just say, hey, did you know when you did this, it really hurt me? It made me feel this. So I really want to, as I land this plane, I really want to encourage us, take statements out of your vocabulary. Take statements out of your vocabulary. Statements are judgments. Statements are, I've already determined what you've done. Questions come with, I'm inquiring. Questions are this thing is, I'm trying to figure this out. Statements are, you've already figured it out. Are you hearing me? Statements are, you've already leaned to your own understanding, and you've already came to your own conclusions of me, myself, and I, and that is pride. And God resists proud, but he gives grace and favor to the humble. And so if you think you're going to bring pride to a confrontation, it ain't going to work. And so what we've got to do in our relationships is we have to get really good at asking questions and creating that internal pressure so that they can answer us. I really, and and, and this is maybe part of my pastoral gifting, because I really don't believe people want to intentionally hurt me. I do not believe that. I believe most people are good-hearted and they do not want to hurt me. I believe, I, I, believe in good, I believe in the good of people 
And I realize that there are others that are not that way. But for me, I'm not assuming that you're trying to hurt me. I'm, I'm assuming there's a misunderstanding. I'm assuming there's something that I don't know. So when I have been jacked a little sideways, I'm just going to simply ask a question. Hey, I just noticed you couldn't look me in the eye the other day. Have I done something to hurt you? Is it, are, are we okay? Oh, yeah, we're okay. We're cool. <laughs> okay, brave communication. Are we really okay? Oh, yeah, we're okay. Everything's cool, dude. I just avoid you like the plague. Well, I was just wondering, because, man, I want our relationship. I don't want there to be anything between us. I love you, and I desire to be in relationship with you. So I don't believe people intentionally want to hurt me. So I go in curious, and I go in with questions, and, the conf- and usually what happens is the confrontation de-escalates. When you come in with questions, the, conference, the confrontation usually begins to de-escalate. And you know what the Bible says in Proverbs? What's up, Doc? The Bible says a gentle reply turns away wrath. And so if you just go with gentleness, you've you got a good chance of turning down the wrath. And so... Let's turn away from wrath, and let's choose to walk in forgiveness. Let's choose to walk in gentleness. Let's choose to walk in trust. Let's choose to walk in these principles so that we can restore our relationships. Anybody want to restore some relationships? There's a few of you. So here's our homework. The action plan is actually the message. If you need to take a picture of this, I will put it on later this afternoon. I will put it on our New Covenant Worship Center and friends so that you have it. Because I think it's really important. This is something you need to keep in your notebook. This is something, anytime you get in conflicts with somebody, you need to pull this out. You need to have this on the back of your Bible taped on the inside of your Bible somewhere so that when you're in conflict with somebody, you're doing these things. But here's the thing, and I'm not going to go over them. You can read them. It's forgive, be gentle and humble, trust, self-control, and great questions. That is your action plan. You're to take this home. You're actually to work this with your person that you're in conflict and you want to want to restore their relationship and if you can't and if you're jacked you're going to go you're going to get our emotional healing team help and you're going to allow yourself to go through emotional healing so that you can order for you to get to this place i hope our emotional healing team gets overrun but get help the team just said oh dear jesus help us The Bible says that when we do this, it attracts the favor of God. When we do this, it attracts the favor of God. And you will display kingdom confrontation and it will help you to walk out covenant relationships. Everybody stand with me if you don't mind. We're just going to pray. I'm going to help you a little bit with action one. I felt really as I was praying this morning that we really needed to take number one again and just do some forgiving And I think maybe even what, as I've shared the message, maybe you're realizing that there's still some uh, anger, bitterness, blaming, shaming, 
wanting to punish the person that you're in conflict with maybe, but if you would just close your eyes and I'm going to kind of help us walk through forgiving some people today. If you wouldn't mind, uh, just grab a couple names in your brain. <clears throat> Who is it that you want to restore your relationship with? You guys out there on Facebook, you can do the same with us right now. Who is it that you want to restore your relationship with? And let's just walk through this prayer together. And then let's apply these five points this week and begin to confront and begin to bring healing to our relationships. So if you will, will you're going to be putting a name inside this prayer model. And when you do, if you'll by faith, I don't know about you, but Jesus talks about forgiveness and that if you don't forgive somebody, you're not forgiven. He talks about how when we don't forgive, we release the tormentor against us. So forgiving is not letting somebody off the hook. It's actually letting you off the hook. It's actually freeing you up so that you can do these steps. So let's do this. You guys got a name in your heart? Who's hurt you? Who do you need to forgive today? Pray with me. Lord, I want to obey you today. I want to extend the forgiveness that you have given me. Now, Lord, I want to give this forgiveness to blank. <laughs> Put the person's name in there. I want to give this forgiveness to John. I want to give this forgiveness away. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me for holding on to unforgiveness towards you know the name. But today, God, I choose to forgive and set free John. I let go of my anger. I let go of my bitterness. I let go of my hurt my pain, and I release that. And I give that to you, Jesus. I allow the blood of Jesus to wash their sins against me away. So right now, God, they owe me nothing. I forgive them, and I release them from all pain caused. In Jesus' mighty name. Now just feel that. Now just speak a blessing over them right now. Go ahead, on your own. Just say, Lord, I bless John. Lord, I thank you for them. I ask that you bless them and their family. I ask God that you would reveal yourself to them. And God, show me how to restore that relationship. I love them, God. And I will move towards restoration. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that you have forgiven us. And Father, I just pray that you would help this house to restore our relationships within the church and within our families at work, at school. 
Father God, help us to be a covenant people who walk in humility and gentleness and choose to restore our relationships. Father, we love you. We thank you, God. This, these are keys of the kingdom. And I thank you, God, that you're raising up kingdom confronters who are in covenant with you and each other. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said...